Good morning, everyone. It is the 14th of June. My name is Philip Kemp, and today I'm joined by Pelle Strataki. Well, looking back at last week, inflation was very much in the spotlight. New data showed that China's producer prices index rose by 9% in May. This was its biggest yearly increase since 2008 and came in above forecast. But the big story was Thursday's CPI inflation reading from the US. Pella, can you tell us what happened, please? Thank you, Philip. Indeed, the US headline CPI reading came in at 5% for the month of May, meaning that the prices of goods and services tracked by this index were on average 5% higher in May 2021 than they were in May a year ago. This was higher than the 4.2% year-on-year headline CPI figure we got in April and higher than economists were expecting. Core CPI, which excludes food and energy, was also higher in May. May than it was in April. Core CPI came in at 3.8% year-on-year for the month of May, from 3% year-on-year in April. The surge in prices is partly due to base effect, so just the impact of comparing this year's increases to the low levels of inflation at the start of the pandemic. But beyond that, we saw broad price increases driven by the higher costs of flights, household furnishings, new cars, rental cars, and apparel. Thanks, Pella. And interestingly, the US government bond markets seem to take the data in their stride. US Treasury prices fell briefly after the announcement, but then continued their rally from earlier in the week. Why do you think this happened? Essentially, the market is accepting the interpretation that the year-on-year rise in prices that we are witnessing is to a large extent related to the effects of the economy reopening, and as such, it will be transitory. Ten-year US break-evens that show the level of inflation priced in over the next decade have fallen to 2.32% from an eight-year high of 2.55% hit last month. Much of this may also have to do with position When the price of treasuries goes up, people have to get out of their short positions, which drives the rally further. And declining yields elsewhere, notably in Europe, are also supporting demand for the higher yielding US government debt. Thanks, Pella. And I'm sure all eyes will be on the bond markets over the coming weeks to see how this plays out. Now, we know that the rising prices of commodities such as oil has contributed towards inflation. But there was some other news from the oil industry itself last week. The Keystone XL oil pipeline was scrapped several months after Joe Biden cancelled the project's permit to build on US soil. On the same day, oil giant Shell announced that it would rise to the challenge after a Dutch court ordered it to cut its emissions by 45% over the coming decade. Pella, what are your thoughts on the challenges currently faced by this industry? The Shell case is absolutely fascinating and is likely to have far-reaching implications, not just for oil majors, but a whole host of other corporations globally. On the 28th of May, the District Court in The Hague in the Netherlands ruled that Shell must cut its net carbon emissions by 45% by 2030, compared with 2019 levels. The order affects the company's entire global business. Last week, Shell's chief executive issued a statement that the company would rise to the challenge. It is the first time that a lawsuit has succeeded successfully targeted the business model of a large fossil fuel producer, suggesting the business models of other corporate polluters, from steel producers to airlines, are possibly under threat. The judge ruled that Shell's existing climate strategy was not concrete enough and that there was a human rights obligation on the company to take further action. Corporations have faced environmental litigation before, but it has tended to be via liability lawsuits seeking damages for issues in the past. This case could be the beginning of a different type of litigation altogether, the so-called human rights cases. For the first time in the case against Shell, human rights arguments were used to demonstrate a climate-related duty of care. 
And this was a ruling by a Dutch court applying to a multinational company headquartered in the Netherlands. The case against Shell was brought on the basis of a law that has equivalents in other Western jurisdictions, for example in England. The assessment of legal experts appears to be that the argument can easily be translated into other systems. So what you're seeing here is a shift in expectations about a company's obligations to society and a Dutch court enforcing the 2015 Paris Agreement, all within a framework that could easily be replicated more globally. This increases the pressure not just for oil producers, but a whole host of other corporates to think very carefully about and probably look to accelerate their energy transition plans. Thank you, Pella. And turning now to the week ahead, we will see CPI inflation numbers for Europe following the US data released last week. But the big event will be the US Federal Reserve press conference on Thursday. Is there anything in particular that we should look out for? So the US Federal Reserve is meeting on Tuesday and Wednesday this week. The press conference following the meeting will be closely watched for comments on inflation, any language around tapering. Recall that the Fed's narrative so far has been that they expect the inflationary pressures currently in evidence to be transitory. So any change to that narrative or interpretation will be material. And also remember that a first heads up around tapering was given already in the minutes of the April meeting, which were released on the 19th of May. The bond market had a fairly contained reaction to this at the time. So it will be interesting to see what this week brings. Thanks, Pella. Yes, I'm sure all investors will be interested to see what happens. That's great. Thank you, Pella. Thank you, Phil.